Hello, my podcast family, and welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Hope you're having a good day today, or if it's the beginning of your morning, that you will have a fantastic morning, and you will because you started it off with Jesus. Today, we're in the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the third chapter, verses 15 through 17. And the New um, American Standard Bible reads, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you knowledge and understanding. And it shall be in those days when you become numerous and are fruitful in the land, declares the Lord. They will no longer say, The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and it will not come into mind nor will they remember it, nor miss it, nor will it be made again. At that time, they will call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations will assemble at it, at Jerusalem, for the name of the Lord, and they will no longer follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts. The prophet Jeremiah, often known as the weeping prophet. Why was he weeping? because he saw the destruction of Israel, of his own nation. They had undergone several iterations of captivity by the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and yet the people of Israel were not humbled in their hearts toward God. That made him weak. Now let's look at our world today, in particular here in, particularly here in America. We like to say that we are a Christian nation, right? Yet, when we look at us from a larger lens, do we not measure up to being godly? Like, do we measure up to being godly? That's the phrase I'd like to use. Do we measure up to being godly? Recall when Jesus was asked the question of which commandment was the greatest? And his response was to love God with all your heart and with all your soul, and then likewise to love your neighbor as yourself that all the law hinged on these two. Do we as Americans love the Lord? Do we place him first in our lives? And then do we love our neighbors? Or are we too busy trying to determine exactly who qualifies to be our quote unquote neighbor? As the young scribe did when he asked Jesus, you know, who is his neighbor and Jesus delivered the story of the Good Samaritan. Are we trying to choose who our neighbors are? For us, as children of God, everyone is our neighbor. It isn't tied to proximity, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, or even religion. We are to love. Love God and then love others. In looking at America and the world, I often get a saddened heart just like Elijah. I mean, Jeremiah did. But... My hope is still in Jesus, and I know that in God's timing, Jesus will return and bring things back in order to make them right. But that sadness of seeing your fellow countrymen spiral out of control over and over again, that's why Jeremiah cried. And just as we have our hope in God, right, God gave hope through Jeremiah, through this scripture, 
that highlights how God has used the term of shepherds as governors to govern his flock. And govern isn't a word that we've used before as a term associated with shepherding, but that is that is what it is. That, that's essentially what he's doing. <clears throat> as a shepherd, you're making decisions for the flock. A shepherd leads. And right within embedded in leading is the shepherd has to have enough hindsight or foreknowledge to know where to lead the flock. A shepherd has to have provisions for the shop, the flock. How does the shepherd feed them? How does he know what to feed? Who needs to feed? All of that is governing. God is reassuring Israel in this passage that he will send shepherds, plural. And this is different, right, from what we have been learning because we know that Jesus is the shepherd. And then we learn that God chose David to be the shepherd over Israel. But now we see God stating that there will be other shepherds to come. What, what, what would those shepherds look like? Who are these shepherds? For Israel, they were the judges and the kings. I know initially I thought that prophets fell into that category of shepherds. But prophets were an advisory role to the kings and to the judges. They were to keep God's word ever before those whom God had placed in charge. Who are our shepherds today? Yes, I know our pastors, our deacons, our lay ministers. But what about our elected leaders? Are they not shepherds? Whether we consider them godly or not, they are. I know that there's a passage in um, scripture in Titus, I believe, where it says that we're supposed to pray for our leaders who are over us. That's just not within the body of Christ. It's everything, everyone. And therefore, it becomes important for us to really think about who we choose, who, who we choose to sit up under as a sheep, <laughs> whose flock we, we want to kind of associate with, who, who we want to have affiliation with, now looking at the body of Christ. So let's look at the body of Christ first. As body of Christ, I, I want you to, to realize that for God is holding you and I accountable for who we are up under, where we're getting the word of God. It's, it's a two-way street. And that statement, I mean that we have responsibility when we're looking for churches, when we're looking for pastors, when we're looking for podcasts, <laughs> to ensure that they are godly, that they are teaching and preaching the word of God. It isn't solely the responsibility of the pastor. It's a shared responsibility. I remember... <clears throat> when God started placing this upon my heart because one of my uncles um, he had a a mantra that he would say before he um, got up to the pulpit and this was way before um, Joel Osteen you know because I think he hands holds up his Bible this is my Bible I am who who it says I am and that stuff but my uncle was doing that maybe like 30 years ago but I also but he also had in his statement I am responsible for who I allow to lead me something to that extent I can't remember and I remember thinking oh okay 
But as I got older, I understood it. And I remember I was at a church. And it was a good church, but the leadership wasn't as organized as I guess me being in the military thought it should be. And so there was chaos and I was in a leadership position and I was trying to get things done and there was chaos. Now, as opposed to going and running and gossiping about what was going on in that church that I was in, I went to the pastor and I made him aware. But I also knew that he didn't have the leadership skills to really do anything. And I really felt that I couldn't grow there. And so because I know God is holding, was holding me accountable for who I sat up under, I went back to the pastor and I respectfully told him what was going on and that I would be transferring my membership to another church. That was done in decency and in order. It was between the pastor and I. No one in the congregation knew. They just knew all of a sudden Greta wasn't coming to church anymore and she was no longer um, the director of that particular department. Because I knew God was holding me responsible and I could not grow there for seeing all of the internal angst that was going on. And God hadn't placed it in my heart to try and change it. And so when you're looking at churches, when you're involved in churches and Bible studies and things like that, if you are not being fed, the first thing that you do is you pray on it and then allow the Holy Spirit to direct you in how you should go. The Holy Spirit may tell you to leave. The Holy Spirit may say, go have a conversation with the person. Or the Holy Spirit may say, no, you need to stay. I want you there for a presence. You may not know why. But understand that you're being held accountable. I was also in a church that um, I wasn't being fed. And that's not to say that all churches... that churches are bad but because we are all on different journeys in our walk it's unrealistic to think that there is a church there that is that there is a church that will meet all of your needs because it's catering to a large flock whether the flock is five or five thousand and those five and five thousand are at different points in their journey so how does one man or one leadership team meet all of those needs that's why it's so important for us to be in bible study to have small groups to do your own time alone because with all of that then your needs will be met and you will collectively you will grow individually as well as collectively so i was in a church and because i had always grown up in the word i i i don't want to say i'm advanced but i know the word of And so, but when you're dealing with new believers, then the word of God isn't going to be as in depth. So therefore, it was my responsibility to make sure that I was in other Bible studies so that I could get that depth that I needed. But I knew that I wasn't supposed to leave that church. But because I know I'm being held accountable, I needed to ensure that I was being fed by other means. And so that's what I mean. When I say you're being held accountable and you need to go to God and ask him what it is that you can do. Now, likewise, we can look at our elected leaders who we're, you know, putting in charge over us because we are in exile just like Israel was. We live in the world, but we're not of the world because we are citizens of God's kingdom. Yet 
We are the kingdom right here within us. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said the kingdom is in us. And so I believe we have a role and a responsibility to be godly and to hold our elected officials to godly standards. And here's an example. Christ throughout his time on earth during his ministry displayed compassion and love and mercy, right? That wasn't done not only within, that's not, well, it's not only supposed to be done within the church, but I believe it has to be done outside of the church. The second part of the commandment, right? That all the other commandments hinge upon to love our neighbor, and to do that, we can do it locally, statewide, nationwide, um, globally, to, ref- to have laws that reflect love, mercy, and compassion. And for those of you who are in other countries, the same applies. What are your local laws, your federal laws, your national laws look like? Do they represent love, mercy, and compassion? I'm realizing that a person doesn't have to be a believer to possess godly compassion, love, and mercy. Of course, their salvation is ensured, yet they can be walking in various degrees of the fruit of the Spirit, which is, you know, odd to me. Conversely, I've learned that believers whose salvation is secure can be very distant (laughs) from the fruit of the Spirit, love, compassion, all of those things, though mercy isn't a fruit of the Spirit. I'm not God, so I don't know anyone's heart. God does. But God's word says that the world will know us by our fruit. And we know what our fruit is, right? From first season, love, joy, peace, patience, compliance, all of that. And so are are our ordinances and, and, and like I said, rules and laws, do do they point toward that? And let's circle back to the role of the prophets. Remember, the role of the prophets was, was to ensure that the shepherds, as far as leaders, were leading in accordance with God's word. And at that time in Israel, it was the law. Today, we have no prophets. I know within some um, denominations, you have titles called prophets, but I believe those people speak prophetically to the congregation. They're not the ones that are speaking prophetically and and really just speaking God's word to the kings to our mayors to our school boards to our president I don't we don't have those people I know that each president will have a selected group of highly profile pastors but I just I don't think it's the same where is the person that has the word of God to speak truth to power where are those people And I guess you're asking, how does all of this apply to caregiving? (laughs) For those of you who may be in the initial stages of caregiving, you know, deciding how you're going to caregive, perhaps you can um, have a professional caregiver, as I did. You are still in the role of governing what is going on. Just because you hire someone to take care of your loved one doesn't absolve you of your shepherding responsibilities of overseeing that professional caregiver or perhaps a family member. Everyone needs checks and balances. If you have a sibling who is taking, who is the primary caregiver, you know, support them. 
Ask them what they need. Help them. Give them grace. Offer assistance. Give them a day off. We are still being held accountable. And God has placed shepherds within our midst. And maybe some of you who are listening are shepherds of various people. If you are a husband, you are a shepherd of your family. If you are a wife, you're a shepherd of your family as well. You come under your husband, but you're still a shepherd. Maybe on the job, you have been given a role or responsibility as manager. That's shepherding. When you are in the body of Christ and a believer, everything and every situation that God puts you in is an opportunity for you to live the fruit of the Spirit. And for you to maybe the prophet in that particular area in speaking truth to power. But you speak truth to power based on the word of God. Based on those two commandments that Jesus highlighted where all the other commandments hinge upon. Which is you love God and therefore you place him first. And therefore you realize that everyone around you is your neighbor. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this word. It's it's rich. And we thank you for pouring it into our hearts and allowing us to know that you have order in your kingdom. But we cannot have order unless we come to you first. Help us to realize that your whole goal was for us to be a people after your own heart. For the world to see that we don't necessarily need the kings, but that you place them in us so that they would live out your word. And so there would no longer need to be the outward manifestation of you as the Ark of the Covenant, but that we were living the Ark of the Covenant. And that's what we want to do today. Help us to recognize our responsibility in ensuring that we grow closer and closer to you. That we get a better knowledge of your word. And by understanding your word more, that means that we understand you more. Not to beat people over the head, but just so we have a better understanding of who you are and we're more in tune to you. And then for those of us that you've placed as shepherds over various um, people and individuals, help us to live godly. Help us to speak truth to power according to your word in love. Help us to be a people who understand that we're in your kingdom and to not mind us being different and standing out. Not doing so just so we stand out, but standing out just because we really are walking in your word. And today, Father, we we pray for the leaders that you have placed over us. We pray for our um, godly leaders, our pastors, our deacons, our trustees, our life group teachers, Sunday school teachers. We pray for them, that they have a rich, ever-growing relationship with you. We pray for the body of Christ that we take seriously who we are as members of the body of Christ and we start looking at our elected officials as to how can the 
laws and the regulations that we have reflect love and compassion and mercy. We pray for our leaders, our presidents, our prime ministers, our secretaries of state, our local leaders. Help us to be able to discern those who really want to help the community versus those who really are in it for themselves. Give us discernment, Lord, and help us to make godly decisions. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for ever drawing us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, my podcast family, that is it for today. And I will see you again tomorrow. Now go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye.